Chapter fourteen of Grace Harlowe Overseas by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter fourteen A Mystery in the Making. Stand aside, commanded the Countess imperiously, addressing the soldiers in French. This is an official car, and I am an officer of the Red Cross on official business. I wonder what I am, reflected Grace. I must be the chauffeur. Your credentials? demanded the spokesman of the pair. He wishes to see your credentials, Mrs. Gray, the Countess informed her companion. Grace handed them over, smiling to herself as she did so, and the Countess extended a hand with the papers to the two soldiers. They examined the papers under the light of an electric pocket lamp, then the papers went into the pocket of the spokesman. The papers passed but one person, but in this instance neither passenger is to be permitted to pass. You will accompany me. For this I shall have you punished, threatened Madame de Belpré. You shall see. The French soldier was unmoved by the threats. It was quite plain to Grace, who had understood nearly every word of the conversation between her passenger and the soldier, that there was more to this hold-up than appeared on the surface. The soldier had declared that neither passenger was to be permitted to pass, and directed that both accompany him. Where? What would Mr. Davis say for her failure to follow his instructions to get back to the city before dark? Of course the tired trouble would be sufficient excuse for the delay, but not for being detained, as now appeared to be probable. The soldier, after giving the Countess brief directions, hopped into the rear of the ambulance, carrying his rifle under the arm, in position for use if needed. "'Where to this time?' questioned Grace somewhat coldly. "'Number 8 Rue Francois Premier.' It is most provoking, but I shall see to it that this fellow is punished for his interference. Do you know where the place is? questioned the Countess. Yes, I think so, but I do not know what it is. Do you? I do not. Do you believe he is taking us in because we are late, because we are suspicious characters? questioned Grace with a faint smile on her face. Surely my credentials should be sufficient to at least permit us to remain outside in our car for the night, uncomfortable as that might be. I know no more about it than you do, Mrs. Gray. We shall soon know. The French are naturally a suspicious race, and this is wartime. Leave all to me, and you will soon be at home. The Rue Francois Premier is the next turn to your left. Grace soon brought her car to a standstill before number eight, and their guard hopped off. He directed the Countess and her companion to follow him and conducted them into a reception room of what apparently was a suite of offices. "'You will remain here until you are summoned,' was the brief command. Neither woman spoke while awaiting the next move in this most mysterious proceeding which interested Grace more than it disturbed her. Her principal concern was for her friends at the Overton unit lodgings, for she knew they would be concerned about her long absence, and that they might possibly get in touch with Mr. Davis, which she devoutly hoped they would not do. Just then a man in the uniform of the French army stepped briskly into the room. Grace saw that he was a captain. He was gracious but businesslike, and took in both women in a quick appraising glance. "'You are the Countess de Beaupré?' he questioned, fixing his grace on Madame Jean. Yes, replied the countess with dignity, not unmixed with hauteur. And you? 
he demanded, turning to Grace. Grace Harlow Gray, a worker for the Red Cross. The captain bowed low to both women. Come with me, he ordered briefly, nodding to the countess. The latter rose and with a nod and a reassuring glance at Grace followed the captain out of the room, leaving Grace alone. For more than an hour Grace remained there, all the time wondering where they were and why they were there. The problem was too much for her to solve, so she gave up trying, and rising, strolled about the room. The hour was late and she was eager to have done with this delay and get home to her bed. Her reflections were interrupted by the entrance of an orderly who bowed ceremoniously. "'Captain will see Madame now,' he said. Grace followed the orderly through the door that seemed to hold so much of mystery beyond it, through a passage and into another room, bare save for a deal table and two chairs. The room was lighted by a solitary oil lamp suspended from the ceiling. The Countess was not in the room and Grace wondered what had become of her. There were papers on the table, and among them Grace recognised her own credentials, but she could no more now understand the mystery that enveloped her than she had been able to do before. "'Madame is with the Red Cross,' he murmured, consulting a paper which he selected from among the apparent litter on the table after he had beckoned her to a seat on the opposite side of the table. "'Yes, sir,' he had addressed the question to Grace in English, and she had answered him in English." A member of the Overton College unit, Oakdale birthplace, the wife of Thomas Gray, he murmured reflectively. Grace wondered if there were anything about her that the captain did not know. She was becoming interested. Your husband, I believe, is now with the American forces, to be exact, a private with the 130th engineers, he said, bending a quick glance at her. Yes, sir. How long do you intend to remain in France? I hope to be permitted to serve here so long as the war lasts, Captain, for beyond the fact that my husband is in the service, my own devotion to the cause is very great. The cause lies close to my heart. Her interrogator bowed and smiled. You are a patriot, I see. Why is it that, speaking French, you have preferred not to let the fact be known? Why have you denied that you speak the language of the country? He demanded sharply. I have never denied it. In fact, I have spoken French on several occasions since reaching France, whenever necessary, in fact. You have led the Countess de Beaupré to believe that you do not know the language. Why? For reasons that I cannot well explain. Perhaps I hardly know the reason myself. You were introduced to the Countess by your old friend, Mademoiselle Dean? Yes, sir. This man seemed to know everything. Your journey today was for the purpose of taking supplies to the American Ambulance Hospital at Jewelry, I believe. Why did you not follow the main road? You made a detour in going out that took you some miles out of the way. At my companion's suggestion, she said the main road was rough, considerably cut up by the constant traffic of the heavy camions. Yet you returned by the main road and had no difficulty. So far as the roads were concerned, no, sir. We had tire difficulty, however, and it was this that made us late in reaching the city. May I ask why all this mystery? I do not understand it at all. Surely my position should be a sufficient guarantee of my loyalty to the cause of France, which is the cause of my own country, answered Grace with some show of impatience, which she as quickly controlled and lowered her voice. I am serving both. I have no doubt of it, madame but there are many things that you do not understand, things that you will never have the remotest conception of. 
the main highway the direct route being easily passable then there was another reason naturally for your making the detour he added abruptly i suppose so stammered grace what was the reason that you wished a glass of milk at the peasant's cottage we did stop for a glass of milk at madame de polpre's suggestion and it was delicious captain replied grace smiling thank you did you accompany your companion into the cottage no sir i remained in the car she bringing a glass of milk to me you held no communication with the occupants of the cottage you saw none of them i saw through the door and observed an old woman who after greeting my companion fetched the milk to her that was all we drank the milk and proceeded on our journey leaving the glasses on the ground in the yard the captain asked grace to give him a detailed account of her movements as well as those of the countess while at the hospital at Jouilly. this grace did so far as she herself was concerned adding that the countess she believed spent the time chatting with the major her questioner asked her in further detail about the tire trouble whether any one approached the car whether conversation was had with any other person on the journey out or back to all of which grace gave prompt and comprehensive replies do you know an american woman by the name of gay who was a volunteer worker with your organization i do replied grace flushing is there any feeling between you not so far as i am concerned i cannot speak for her why do you ask merely formal we are seeking for information along certain lines and to which all persons who visit france must submit it may mean nothing at all either to them or to us but we are obliged to probe all possibilities are you acquainted with mrs juliette carmen a war worker with the organization i never heard of her that will be all for the present if there should develop any further necessity for questioning i will send for you i will now send a man with you who will leave you at your lodgings and take your car to its destination i thank you for your confidence the captain bowed low the countess captain i must take her home really i must the countess already has gone she did not choose to wait and called a hansom i am extremely sorry to have caused you inconvenience but i am obliged to do my duty the captain summoned a soldier Take the lady to the address she will give you and leave the car in its garage. You will then return here, he ordered. The soldier saluted and held the door open for Grace to pass out, the officer standing politely while Grace was leaving the room. Twenty minutes later, much to her relief, Grace was in her room. Anne was sitting up waiting for her, the other girls having retired. Grace, dear, where have you been? I have been so worried about you. It is a long story, Anne, and I am not clear in my own mind what it is all about. Let's brew some tea and I will tell you all that occurred. Behind a closed door so as not to disturb the others, Grace related the story of her day's experiences, to all of which Anne listened with wide eyes and eager attention. Why, it is a regular mystery story, she exclaimed when her companion had finished. Won't the girls be amazed when you tell them? I do not believe I shall tell them. I do not know what all this mystery means, but I am certain that I am more intimately connected with the mystery than we think. I have a theory in the back of my head, but it is a vague one, and I do not think I could give it expression, no matter how hard I might try to do so. This tea does taste good. You will say nothing to the girls of what I have told you. Anne promised that she would not. I will tell them that tire trouble delayed us, which will be the truth. I am rather curious to know what the Countess will have to say about our experience. 
but I have an idea that I shall not get much information from her. On the following morning Grace went first to the director and told him the principal facts concerning her experience of the previous evening, to which Mr. Davis listened, at first gravely, then smilingly. I am glad you have told me this. It in a measure clears up the inquiries that were made of me yesterday. Inquiries? Grace raised her eyebrows. About you. The officer who called on me was from the Bureau of Information, Department of the Sign. There are some wonderful operatives there, and no one is wholly free from their surveillance during these trying days. It behooves us to all watch our step, Mrs. Gray. I have done nothing to warrant their investigating me, sir. Of course not, though the mere fact that you have seen fit not to let it be known that you speak French is sufficient to set the Bureau's machinery to operating with regard to yourself. War is a sad business, but it is abroad in the land. We are a small, integral part of it, and we must adapt ourselves to the conditions created by it. You found the Countess a charming woman, did you not? Yes, indeed. I should like to take her with me on another day, if I am permitted to drive, said Grace demurely. Mr. Davis directed a quick, keen look at her, then, smiling, said he knew of no reason why Madame de Beaupré should not go when there was room for her. He pleased Grace by his attitude, for she had looked for criticism, and pleased her still more when he told her she was to take the car, loaded with supplies, to the American hospital at Neuilly sur seine a suburb, then take charge of the canteen there for the day. Miss Gay came in during the afternoon and made a great many criticisms about the place, but without speaking to Grace directly or directing her remarks to her. The remarks plainly were intended for Grace, and her face burned with resentment. The assistants were smiling, and finally Grace could endure it no longer. "'Miss Gay, are you speaking to me?' demanded Grace. "'I was speaking of the filthy conditions of this canteen,' replied the lieutenant coldly. "'Perhaps it is not as neat as it should be, but we cleaned it thoroughly this morning, and have swept the place at least three times since.' "'I'm sorry you feel obliged to find so much fault. "'Frankly, I do not like it, "'and if you persist in annoying me as you seem determined to do, "'I shall report you to headquarters, "'and with more cause than you had when you so unjustly accused me. "'I have no intention of being impudent or unwomanly, Miss Gay, "'but it has come to the point when your insinuations must stop.' "'Grace's voice was without a trace of emotion or anger.' but her grey eyes were cold and held Miss Gay steadily. "'You... you threaten me?' gasped the amazed lieutenant. No one had ever dared to speak to her like that before. The other workers who had overheard the conversation could scarce restrain their joy at seeing this disagreeable woman meet one who was not afraid of her. "'No, I never threaten. I have simply stated a fact. I shall report you if you ever assumed to address me in the insulting manner that you have adopted on two occasions. I do not care to carry this unpleasant conversation further. You will excuse me if I attend to my duties. End of chapter 14 Recording by Ashley Jane